It's great to be here. It is great to be back. Uh, if you didn't know, um, I have been in Turkey and Greece the last two weeks, uh, visiting uh, all of the the seven churches of Asia that are written in Revelation, uh, visiting uh, a lot of the places in Paul's missionary journey. Pretty much almost every place once he gets up into Turkey outside of going over into Rome. So we actually followed the mission of Paul. And it was an incredible experience. Um, it's something some people have asked, well, are we, do you want to do like a Sunday night thing where, where you talk about it and do a slideshow? I'm willing to do that, but also I understand maybe you don't want to come and see hear a man's uh, vacation photos or something. But it wasn't a vacation. Um, while I had great food uh, and weird food, uh, I had uh, uh, wonderful accommodations. Uh, the reason behind this was hopefully to see uh, what the people of the, the early Christians of the time saw, uh, to get an experience of, their, of the culture, to get an experience of what it was like, and hopefully to bring that home to each of us here and in the teachings and in my further uh, understanding. So hopefully I was able to do that. And if you were able to follow me along on Facebook, you might have hopefully gotten to see some of that as well. But if you would like to, to something like that, to, to do a Sunday night to where we talk about that I am more than willing just let me know and or you can say yeah that's all right we can just look at your Facebook I'm okay with that too but in the last two weeks I walked several roads this is a road in Ephesus um, and this is one of the this this has uh, been an archaeological thing for the last 65 years I think they've been they've been trying to 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 uncover this place but so it had one of the best roads that you have but there are several roads that are all made of marble and if you know anything about marble, marble is nice and smooth, right? Um, and if you've been walking on these roads for over 2,000 years, marble just gets smoother and smoother and smoother. And so that one of the things that the guide tells our group as we're walking down there is, be careful, be careful, it's slick, don't fall down. And a couple of our uh, people in our tour, they did take a stumble, but I was worried as I was walking down these roads. I was a little nervous. I didn't want to slip and fall and tumble all the way down Ephesus or wherever I was because of these slick roads. And I've always walked, um, well, not always, I guess since 1999, I've walked a little gingerly or a little maybe awkward. I've maybe favored my right leg because I was playing a little basketball game back in 1999, and I came down from a shot, which I missed, which par for the course for me, but, uh, and I tore my ACL. And so I messed my knee up, and I ended up having to go to the doctor. And this was right before, this was the summer before Mary and I got married, and we were planning on going on a ski trip for our honeymoon. We love to ski. Since then, I've I don't like skiing as much. I end up getting hurt too much skiing. But we were going to go skiing on our honeymoon. And when we were going on our honeymoon, when I, I had my surgery on my ACL, I talked to the doctor and I said, well, would I be able to, because this was in August that I had the surgery. I said, would I be able to ski by December? And he tells me, well, of course you'd be able to do that if you want to undo 
all the good stuff that I've given you. So Mary and I realized, okay, we probably shouldn't ski. I don't, she was, I, I think, I think it, it was sad, but we, 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 we got over it. I guess at least I did. <laughs> and then I went back for a follow-up a few weeks or a, a few months later, right? And I asked the doctor, I said, all right, uh, should I have a brace on my leg? Should I wear a brace? And he says, why would you wear a brace? I said, well, I see a lot of people that have surgery on their knee. They walk around with a brace. And he says, well, what do you think the surgery was for? That's a confident doctor, right? So the doctor tells me what I should and shouldn't do. And I followed the doctor's orders. And he is confident that what he did to my leg was going to fix the problem that I had. And I've gone... 23 years now and the problem has been fixed and one of the things he said is to get confidence on your leg you should start running that I don't know if I followed that uh, order as much whenever you have a doctor that has confidence sometimes we can choose to put trust in them or not trust them and depending on, on who they are and how sex, su successful they are, we will choose to put our confidence in these experts. And this doctor I thought was good. And so I put my confidence in him. And as I walk down the marble roads, I can remember that this doctor has fixed my knee. I've had it everything okay for the last 23 years. And so I can have full confidence in what he's given me. But sometimes I have arthritis in my knee and I wonder, I think, well, is it still strong enough? And maybe my faith in what the doctor did could waver. And we live in a world where we have all sorts of storms of life. This week, uh, this world has been rocked by the storms of evil in this world. And so we sit and we wonder what's going on in this world and, and we start to, to wonder, can we put our trust in this God when there's so much evil and there's so many storms and there's so much pain in this world? It's a hard thing to put your trust in, in something whenever you see the pain of this world. And so... In order to put our trust in Him, we need to remember the promises that our God gives us, the promises that He delivers to us. And as I was thinking about the storms of this world and the pain of this world, I thought about a, one of the early churches, and it was one of the first places that I went to visit. It was the Church of Smyrna. And so this is in the, the, the ancient city of Smyrna. It's in a, a place called Izmir now. It's the third largest uh, city in Greece, or not Greece, in Turkey. And what you'll see here is, is a little picture of, of some of the ruins, some of the, some of the uh, ancient ruins of Smyrna where the early church there met and Jesus spoke to this congregation. Jesus spoke to these people, and matter of fact, this is the only congregation that he has nothing negative to say. And yet it's also a congregation that is going through the storms of life. 
It says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These are the words of him who was the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as a victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. And as I was walking through the ancient city of Smyrna, and I was looking around at, at, uh, at, at all, all the sites here, I was told by our guide how this place is, this city was an incredibly wealthy city. And, and if you look at that, if you look at the, the architecture they have here, it, you, you can see that they had something going on. They had a pretty good life that they were living. If you look out right, right over here, you see the, uh, this underground part. And sometimes uh, the cities were built on top of each other, but this was actually supposed to be underground because this is where the city of Smyrna kept all their money. These were giant vaults, basically, where all the money of Smyrna was just put in there. Smyrna was a rich city. It was a city that was very prosperous, and the people were prosperous. But there was a group that weren't doing as well. There was a group that, that were, were, were struggling, and that was the early church, the Christians. And one of the things that, that was going on here is, is we hear about this, the, this synagogue of Satan where Jesus says, says these Jews, they're not Jewish people, they are the synagogue of Satan. And what was he saying when he talked about the synagogue of Satan is Satan, as we see in Job and as we see later on in, in Revelation chapter 12, Satan means the accuser. And so the Jewish people, they had been living a life where they were able to practice their, religious, their religion under the Roman government, and it was okay. But the Roman government hadn't given the Christians the right to practice their faith. And so the, Roman, the Jewish people would try to say that the Christians were trying to rise up against the government. They were trying to make a rebellion against the government. And when you see uh, some of the, 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 the pictures you might have seen are, are these great churches that, that uh, the Christians met in. Well, that didn't happen in Smyrna. Matter of fact, Christians met, if you see that top center, they met underground in these little rooms. They met in secret. And when he talks about the church, the church is not a building, which it's not a building now. It, the church is a gathering of people. And so because they met in secret, because they wouldn't give their allegiance to, to, uh, to the Caesar when they go to the marketplace, because the Jewish people at the time were talking badly about them, saying they were causing a rebellion, they were cut off from their society, they were being persecuted, and they were going through some incredibly tough times. But what does Jesus say to them? He says, I know your afflictions, I know your poverty, but you are rich. I know your afflictions, I know your poverty, but you are rich. And what is Jesus saying to them? 
is this early church was much like the church down in Jerusalem. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the church in Jerusalem in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And what, did, what, did, uh, what, what was said about them, it said, all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had a need. You see, they were being persecuted. They were being left out of the marketplace. They couldn't sell their goods. The government was, was after them, but they were taking care of each other. If they saw each other, anyone had need, they were going to help them out. Not because they were trying to distribute wealth, but they were a family. They were the Lord's church. And they were willing to take care of one another. Just like the church in Jerusalem, because they knew they could trust in the promises of God. That's why it says that, that they will suffer 10 days, which means that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a period of time of suffering, but it's not going to be forever. And if they hold on strong to the faith, they will have a crown of life. They will have this victorious crown. The victor's crown, as this version says. And they believe that. And why did they believe that? amongst the persecution, amongst their poverty, amongst the tough times that were going on in their life? Why did they believe that? Because we have this book that tells us over and over and over again about the promises of our God. About how our God gives us these promises. Not that it's just going to be a perfect life, but it's going to be okay because we have a hope of an eternal life as i was going on this trip we spent a lot of time in the bus as we were uh, basically traveling the entire uh, coast of the aegean sea and as I, i'm doing that I, I would i would read and i would work on on my lessons and i read this book called unshakable hope and in this book, it, it talks about the promises of God and why we can have a hope in our God because of His promises. And I love this quote from the book. It said, Because of God's promises, Noah believed in rain before rain was a word. Abraham left a good home for the one he'd never seen. Because of God's promises, Joshua led two million people into enemy territory. Because of God's promises, David defeated a giant. Peter rose from the ashes of regret. And Paul found a faith worth dying for. As I walked around the city of Smyrna, and I walked underground in these tunnels, and I looked in rooms where, where early Christians might have been meeting, despite the persecutions, despite the, times that they were go the tough times that they were having, I just thought, how grateful I am to people that were willing to give everything because they trusted in the promises of our God. And I was thinking, what, what is that like in my life? How can I hold on to the promises of God? How can I have this unshakable hope that I'm willing to, to give my life for Him, that I'm willing to, to give everything for, for my church? How do I have that same faith? that they had. And I think we have to grow closer and remember who our Lord is. And we have to grow closer to Him and realize what all He's done for us.
we went and we visited a couple of the mosques in Istanbul. At the end of, of, the, of the visit, to see what was going on, and see it a little bit, I, I, my eye was caught by some of these tracks that were on their wall. It says, Jesus, a prophet of God. Muslims love Jesus. Jesus, a prophet of Islam. And so in my, in my time, I wanted to see, well, this is kind of strange because we put so much faith and hope in Jesus Christ and it says Muslims love Jesus too and where's the disconnect? What's, what's the issue here? Where are, we, where are we so far apart? And one of the things that I, that I realized as I was reading this is they don't believe that Jesus being a God could ever, and they don't believe he's God, because he died, but they also said he didn't die, which doesn't make, their faith doesn't quite make sense. But one of the issues is they, they, uh, they couldn't believe that God could come and die because it's the Almighty God, and that's a good question. How could the Almighty God come to this earth and, and, and lower himself to a man and die and be destroyed by his own creation. It doesn't make sense to them. And that's a good question. How could God do that? And the problem is, they're not able to see the greatness of our God. You see, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 17, the Father God loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back up again. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. See, a lot of people... Uh, can't believe in Jesus, or a lot, a, lot, a lot of the people in Judaism couldn't believe in Jesus because the Messiah, how could the Messiah die? And Jesus says no one could kill him, but he can voluntarily lay his life down for us. And he also has the power, being God, to raise his life back up. And so our Lord defeats death, but he all, doesn't just defeat death for himself. He wipes away the power of death. He wipes away the power of the thing that fear that so many of us fear so much. And he does it by doing what Jaime said in the Lord's Supper talk of doing one of the things that's so incredible, the thing that we're celebrating this weekend on Memorial Day, this sacrificial love. Jesus left the splendor of heaven because he loves us. He died on the cross because He loves us. He did it voluntarily because He loves us. And then He raised again because He is God and He is Almighty. And He also shows us that we can have power over death. It's talked about in the, in the Old Testament prophets. In Isaiah 25, verse 7, it says, There He will remove the cloud of doom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever and the Sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. Why did this church in Smyrna have the ability to have the steadfast faith? How can we have the ability to have the steadfast faith when we have a world that can sometimes seem so dark? 
Because we have a God that's overcome death. We have a God that, that tells us that uh, this, where we're at right here, is just the beginning of eternity for everyone that puts their faith, puts their hope, puts their trust in Him. And so many people in, in these scriptures that have lived lives that, that some were great and some, were, some struggled, but all of them that put their hope in our God experience this eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who had fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through man. For as in Adam, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Our Lord has victory over death. And He was the first of the fruits. He showed them that He has victory over death. That's why the early Christians, they see it. They had firsthand witnesses that saw Jesus raised from the dead. These apostles that lived their life, that, that, that they were willing to go, uh, go to the extent of death, to be put to death themselves, because they knew it didn't end here. They knew the rest of the story. I didn't get to see my Dallas Mavericks play too many of their playoff games, but I, I watched from afar and I got to see one game when I finally got home on Thursday night and they were already down uh, three games. And I watched these players get on the court and, and it looked like to me that they were playing like they had already been defeated. That there was going to be no win for them and, and they ended up losing the game pretty, pretty decisively. But the other team, the Golden State Warriors, they were playing strong and they, they, they knew that they had the victory in the end. No matter if there was a, a, a good run by, by the other team, they knew that they had victory. Why? In their minds, they knew what the end of the story was. And so when we go through tough times, as we're struggling in, in a dark world or, or, or a painful world, what God wants us to realize is we know what the rest of the story is. We know that it's going to end with eternity. It doesn't end in death for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what a great thing that you can have, like when I look at this basketball team, that they could all get together and they can be happy even when things are going tough because they know how it ends. And for those that aren't in Christ that have no hope, this world is a pretty ugly place. If you don't have hope, if you don't know how it ends, it, it's, it, it, it can be crippling. But we have, we ha we have the, the, the ability to know what happens in the end. That we won't taste death. Just like Jesus was the first uh, to be raised, we can follow in that. And so we can have joy with our brothers and sisters of Christ, despite the tough times of this world. It was wonderful for me to be half a world away and to watch all these babies on the stage up here last Sunday. And to, to, to be half a world away, but to still be in spirit with my church and realize how great it is that each of these, each of these babies 
are going to grow up in the faith and, and to see Emma gra- uh, graduate and hit this next milestone. And that's what the church is all about. This is just the beginning of eternity. This first milestone to eternity. What a great thing that we can do this all together. The church in Smyrna understood that. They understood what it meant. That they were just living in the beginning of eternity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 it says, When the perishing has been clothed with the unperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, when the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? We go through tough times in this world. There's no question. And what I love about the Scripture is it, it lets us know that there will be tough times. But it also lets us know this is just the beginning. This is the beginning of eternity with Him. And we will be able to one day shout out, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We have a God that will wipe away all of our tears. And we will get to be with Him forever in eternity. This is something that the early church understood. They witnessed it firsthand. And this is something that I hope we all understand as well. That our Lord loves us. He came to this earth. He died for us. And He was raised for us as the first fruit. So we can be with Him forever. If you want to make Him Lord of your life, you can be baptized into Him so that you can be raised with Him. Or if you have any other prayers uh, that, that you need the church to surround you with because this is a tough time. This is a tough world. We can pray for you. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and sing.